0: Hey, this is Chris and Jan Woodruff, and you are listening to the Hindsight Podcast, where we sit down with people and we take a look back at what we can learn from a very specific season in their life. Hey, everybody. We are back for episode two with John and Beth Bennett. Um, I don't know where you are, where you're listening to this and when you're listening to it, but we are, uh, are recording this right now. It's coming up on the end of summer for yes, us. It is. And uh, school is starting in just, uh, golly, less than two weeks. And it's
1: really not the end of summer.
0: Yeah, in not the end mind. of summer what we I would normally like grow up it, with, right? Yeah.
1: I grew up north, so summer went till Labor Day. So for me to go back at school for the first week of August, I feel like it's cutting
0: our summer short. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's coming fast.
1: Right. I'm one of those moms that still likes having her kids around. So I like the summer to go longer. Yeah. I'm not ready for them to go back to school yet.
0: So that's where we are. And we're wrapping up now this um, second episode with John and Beth. This time around with them, we're getting into uh, some things around the the unique relationships, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think was really great conversation um, the whole father-daughter, father-son, as well as we get into uh, mother-daughter, mother-son. I thought that was really good. Yes, yeah, really helpful. Um, to hear them kind of talk through that. And again, we're, you know, we're several interviews in now with different parents and And so we're starting to build up this this great um, resume of things we can pull from, you know. Mm -hmm. And and so you're going to hear some stuff from them. And you're probably going to hear some stuff, yeah, that's probably not how we're going to do it. And that's okay. Um, But you're going to hear some stuff and go, oh, that's such a great idea. Um, I want to apply some of that. And Jan and I definitely got some of that. Um, There's some really good stuff in there about with their son uh, and especially with John uh, and uh, and Michael. Michael was an athlete um, through middle school, high school, and then on into college. And uh, John definitely talks about the role of the father within that, mm-hmm. which is just really uh, hit home for me. And we'll, uh, you'll get to hear a little bit about that as well. And then,
1: they also talk about the importance of establishing a work ethic while the kids are young, so it's not just middle school, high school, when they can actually go get jobs, but. They talked about how you would do that when the kids were little, whether it's a sticker or a reward, then that carried into their older years when they would be able to give them monetary yeah. um, payment for their jobs, whether it be putting the garbage out or mowing the lawn. And, and we've seen that play out. So that's yeah. that's one of the areas that I really love. And like I mentioned before at the beginning of the episode, the first episode, is that this is really a great podcast for People who are having kids going in the middle in high school, but also really, really impactful for you if you already have little. So yep. please stay with us because they really cover, they go back and forth with things they established when the kids were a lot younger that are really impacting them now. So I really love that about this podcast.
0: Yeah, there's some good stuff. So that's enough with us talking about it. Let's jump in so you guys can hear from John and Beth Bennett. Talk a little bit more like, what did that look like when they started dating? Because you talked about the purity piece. Mm -hmm. But now, how did you navigate dating? And and even now so, I mean, you talk Lauren's still in high school. right? Um, What what did you learn about with Christy and Michael Mm -hmm. that maybe Mm -hmm. you're implementing now? But what did that look like?
2: Well, I think uh, one thing we said right up front, you know, you're not going to date till you're 16. Which, uh, now, unfortunately for Christy, you know, she looked like she was 20 when she was 12. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact... (laughs) Literally, uh, this is terrible, but literally there were were 20-something dudes hitting at her when she was 12 years old. You know, she just looked older, she was tall, she was good looking, the whole thing. So... There was always that allure to mm. saying, you know, guys like me. They want to take me on dates. And, of course, I'd always have to come up behind them and say, "Right, not in your not in your wildest dreams is this going to happen. Not to her, but to the guy. <laughs> and so part <laughs> of it right. was just having a hard and fast rule there. That's the way yeah. it rolls. You know, we're going to do it that way. Now, I've heard some cool examples. I, one young boy we just met, in fact, I think she, he wants to take Lauren out on a date. Their parents paid him two thousand dollars if he would not date till eighteen. Of course, I'm on a <laughs> incentive, <administer>, yeah, <laughs> incentive. The car, yeah. right? Incentive base, exactly. I'm on a minister's salary, so the two thousand probably more like twenty. But it, <laughs> I think the idea was, you know, they're saying there's something valuable here. We want you to wait. If you wait, you know, you go ahead. And of course, he was already a month before he got the two grand. He was already starting to text Lauren on that. So apparently, he was he was warming oh, up, was Planning ahead. Up. Yes, exactly.
3: But another thing that we laid as a, an expectation is, I think it's, it's is it 2 Corinthians 6 or 1 Corinthians 6? Close versus cautious
2: mm-hmm.
3: contact, you know, um, the equal. 1 Corinthians
2: 7, actually. 1
3: Corinthians 7, okay. But, um, you know, have close contact with, un, with believers and cautious contact with unbelievers. So that was kind of the standard, even mm-hmm. in dating, right? Certainly marriage, close contact right. with believers, cautious mm-hmm. contact with unbelievers, but even in their friendships, you know, same sex and dating relationships, it's like you know, uh, according to God's word here again, we let God's word do the talking. It's very, right. very clear there, yeah. right? Not to be equally uh, unequally Unequaled. yoked. Right. And so um, to kind of have them begin to understand, this is the type of relationship you want to look for. And uh, you know, Psalms one, we I. Would pray that, still do. These are the type of men that I want my daughters to be attracted to. Psalm 1 type of men, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Proverbs 31 type of women. And so we we did talk about that a, a, a lot. Those were kind of the right. expectations of people you look for mm-hmm. in, in your friends and in your dating relationships.
2: I think one thing, too, that we've actually grown, kind of the evolution of this for us, when Christy, like I mentioned, she looked older. It was just tougher. So I think it was a lot harder on that situation. I think the evolution now has been, uh, and Beth has done really well at this with Lauren, you know, what do you like about that boy? Still getting freaked out that she's attractive, right. you know, whatever. What do you like about him? And talking about that openly. And what that's done is built a two-way dialogue about the sure. whole, you know, relationship thing, dating thing, boy thing. And so I think from Christy, who is a different set of circumstances now to Lauren, who they're eight years apart. You know, we really evolve more. Mm. We're a little more relaxed about it. We're le- we're not quite as you know nervous about it. Of course, I do own a shotgun. That, that helps. <laughs> and a shovel. And, <laughs> and, and Michael has a knife. So
0: and do. And as we sit out at your table, I look in the backyard. You have woods. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. This is the funniest thing. I went
2: out and uh, we went skeet shooting. Literally, I just had bought the shotgun. Michael had one. I had both shotguns laying. Right by the front door, and Lauren's first date was coming over. I thought, you know, this is beautiful, isn't That's God right. wonderful? So this kid walks into me, and you know, just getting Michael, who's saying he was six foot three and two shotguns. So it was a good day for That's us. It's a good That's day. Awesome. I was enjoying right. everything. That's, right. That's great. When you think
0: about um, preparing your kids for dating, so with the girls, preparing them for uh, how to be treated, mm. right? H- how to be. Uh, on the lookout for what a gentleman, what a man Mm. should look like. And then on the flip side as well with Michael, how how to prepare Michael to how to treat a woman. Um, What did you guys do? Did you guys go through that? Did you think through that? Did you have a plan or did you... Did you kind of learn after going through it? I'd yeah.
2: love to hear your thoughts. I think the intentional part of it, I'll speak obviously to the daughter part, uh, is that I think it was really a lot about modeling. Okay, so how mm-hmm. am I going to treat mom around the house? Because they're going to they are going to associate that pretty quickly. So do I open doors for her? Do I respect her in public conversations? Do I cut her off? How do I treat her? Do we love each other in front of each other? Do I hug her? Do I kiss her? Do I hold her hand? I, I was very, very vocal, especially with Christy about some of these dudes that were coming over and I won't give names or serial numbers, but I do have some addresses. No. <laughs> they would come around and I basically would let her know pretty quickly whether I thought thumbs up or thumbs down. And and then I would try to talk about it. I wasn't always very successful at that. But at the end again, I think it came down to modeling and then also when they did get around the right guys it really kinda of cheering them mm-hmm. out. Hey, I think that's a great choice. You're making a great choice. I right, like yeah, that. So. Right. So, yeah.
3: yeah. No, absolutely. Um, you know, books again. Giving them books to read mm. were was huge. Uh, mm-hmm. and just Dana Dana Gresh, I think, just has a book out. Someone sent me "Get Lost." It's oh, called cool. "Really Getting Lost <laughs> in in, um, in in God's Love," is what it's all about, and how to find the love of your life. That's what the book is about. So I plan on giving that to Lauren this summer to read, mm-hmm. and um, so.
2: Which has been a good thing. Beth's been really good about putting books in her hands, and actually, we heard this from John Maxwell years ago. We actually pay him to read, right. Or pay him to watch a podcast. I just paid her twenty bucks the other day to uh, just read two chapters. So she thought that was a pretty good deal, actually. Was Absolutely. Awesome. So I'll, that. Um, I'll, I'll read. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Me too. This is a new business
2: model right here. This exactly. is awesome. You guys are going to walk away with a pretty good little That's revenue a stream. Full time yeah.
0: job, if you'd like to. Hey, we've taken it one step further. We're actually starting a podcast.
2: So maybe. There's there's some incentive there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Listen to our podcast. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's been cool. And I, again, it, just, yeah. it did. I mean, Baxwell basically said, if you pay your kids to take the trash out, then he can be a garbage man, or you can pay them to read books, and maybe they'll be a leader. You know, which is basically cool. the way I look that's at a great it. Thing. So. Podcasts, videos, uh, books, whatever it might be—you know—put some kind of value on. It, in other words, sure.
3: Mm, no, we did. We—I forgot about that, but we did do that. And and you just told Lauren again this summer. You know, there may be some books that we're going to give her to yeah. read. And and one summer we gave Lauren, I think. Um, Five, four or five books to read and if she finished them and wrote book reports on them all there was a huge you know there was a nice incentive attached oh, wow. to that book so reports. again for teenagers yeah. right? Yep. right stuff you want them to know and but but then little book reports right and and um, you know, even Bible, I think we've done that before with, um, you know, some chapters in the Bible too. read. Now, do they and,
1: dread it even though there's money attached? Is there still like a... There's a little bit of that going on. Absolutely. You just got to go, well,
3: you know, this is what we do and this is, you know, a great way to make some money. That's so, awesome.
1: So when you think back, obviously you've kind of talked through some of the areas that in different ages that have challenges, what would you say is one of the toughest things you've had to deal with thus far as a parent?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll and again, still- that
1: could be personal to a child or, you know, each child's different. But is there an overarching thing that was hard or is there an individual circumstance you had to navigate?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, one that came to mind as I was thinking about this question and I was sort of, oh, I couldn't wait to get to this question, honestly, because <laughs> I think it's so difficult. I'm not sure I did it very well. I just know with my daughter, uh, especially at my first, Christy, you know, trying to teach her what boys think Mm -hmm. and how they think was was really difficult, you know, because there was just the constant tension of her wanting the attention of a boy, which is a good thing. But at the same time, it's like you just don't understand. so I would be pretty direct with her about about that whole thing. Of course, basically, I just told them, all boys are evil, Wait till they get to be about twenty five and you'll be good. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, that was uh, that was very difficult. Secondly, it was a proverb I would quote to her a lot, which is basically, a beautiful woman who shows no discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Uh, so you have got to learn how to show real discretion mm-hmm. around boys. So Absolutely. if you dress a certain way, it's going to have a certain you know reaction. Mm-hmm. If you act a certain way, talk a certain way, it's going to have a certain reaction. And what you want is a boy just to love you for who you are. Of course, I'm trying to convince her of this. Right, so, you right. know, I'm reiterating these things, but I would quote that proverb a lot and also to, to Lauren a little bit more, although Lauren's been a little different, in terms of the way she wants to interact with boys, maybe the, ones, the way she wants to dress. Again, very beautiful little girl, but again, it's all about discretion because if you're going to attract them on the wrong premises, you're going to end up with a wrong relationship type right. of thing. So,
3: I just think, just in general, I mean, there's a lot of parent competition out there, I think, right? right. And, you know, kind of pegging one parent against the other and not mm-hmm. really celebrating each other and just, you know, how good is your kid? You right. know, what, you know, what, what grades are they getting? How good are, are they in sports? What colleges are they going to whatever? Right. And so we definitely experienced that and definitely, um, fell to that, that peer pressure different times. It's probably more so when we were pastoring back in the day. And, uh, but God, you know, began to show me again how wrong that was for our kids' sake. And, uh, you know, probably need to go through a confessional right now again with them. <laughs> right. But but quite honestly, uh, there's, again, another book, um, Shepherding Your Child's Heart. You've probably read that. that. It's that. awesome. And, um, and then the, the teenage version is Age of Opportunity. This is by Paul Tripp. And the idea is to learn to emphasize more on their heart issues versus their behavior. Okay. So, you know, (laughs) yes, the behavior may not be perfect. It's not perfect. Right. right? And that's okay because at the end of the day, it's their heart that drives the behavior. So let's work on, you know, really asking questions Mm -hmm. and getting to the root of, what's really in our hearts, right. you know, and again, modeling that. Well, you know, mommy has struggled with that too, Right. you know, and this is what I have seen in my heart Right. This is how God has dealt with me. And so being authentic about, you know, the Holy Spirit working in your heart, helping the kids with that.
2: Absolutely. That's what I think one reason we've got such a uh, empathy for leaders, ministry leaders in particular, because of the very fact of trying to raise a family in the midst of the kind of expectations that are completely unrealistic and the judgment that you feel as a parent or the judgment your kids start to feel. And I think there's something very real about that. I'm not sure there's a right answer. But I know this, if there's one thing I could go back and change, I would have protected their hearts more, I would have had more conversations with them about that Yeah. I would have uh, probably defended them a little bit more, because you always feel it. you're on the defensive, you know, you want your kid to be the perfect kid, the model Absolutely. kid, which yeah. is ridiculous but right. that's the way you feel the pressure so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's. A, I think that's very real, and I mm-hmm. think it's one of those things, you probably have to win in prayer more than anything, you know as you mm-hmm. pray for them, and pray for yeah. your situation and pray, as Mark Batterson talks about in prayer circles, yeah. to really be circling those promises around those kids that they don't feel that pressure. Uh, What's interesting about it was as Christy was kind of navigating through that, you know, she felt sort of judged by a lot of church people. Now, again, she's in the ministry and she's dealing with that very same thing. So her experience, the Lord has now turned it and using it for good. She felt a lot of pain, felt rejection, felt insecurity by that. But now she's able to kind of navigate that as she sees that going on with her job now. So I guess the Lord has redeemed it, even though we didn't do a very good job yeah. with that.
1: Would you, would you think that the kids, if we asked them, that would, they would re- remember that as a season of like ick or yes, like, wow, we had such a standard we could not measure up to?
2: Yeah. I think especially Christy felt that way. Michael, fortunately, was kind of immersed in sports and he was pretty good at it. So mm-hmm. he could kind of hide in that, so to speak. Sure. Or be protected in that quickly. Christy was not, and she sure. was out there. And, of course, she always looked older than she was, so therefore everybody sort of treated her like she was older, and she'd act like a 12-year-old, you know, kind of like, well, that's She's pretty 12. much what she is. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she would say that was a tough season for her, but I think she now sees, the cool thing is she now sees the redemptive side of it. I right, know, the side of it. being a minister yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, John, you talked about in the relationship,
0: father-daughter, some of that stuff. Talk to us about what was unique for you with Michael in that father-son relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What uh, what were the challenges there? Uh,
2: what did you learn from that looking back now that kind of got you to where you are today? Sure. One of the things that I read early on was a book by John Eldridge called Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. and figured out pretty quickly that the really the main question a boy is asking of his father is, do I have what it takes? In other words, as a boy, can I become a man? Can I be confident? Can I provide mm-hmm. for a family? All that kind of thing. So when I read that book, it really helped. I guess intuitively something I knew, but it it really helped me with Michael. I realized there's two things I had to do with him. One, I had to build his character, and secondly, I had to build his confidence. Right. So he was an athlete. He was an athlete early on, so it was easy for me to relate to him. That was the fun part. But the tough part was to be a sports psychologist and his dad and all those types (laughs) of things because minute by minute or play by play or inning by inning, he was wrestling with this, do I have what it takes? So I was there one of the things I just try to be, I just try to be that positive voice in his ear. He typically is harder on himself than he's just sure. more of a perfectionist. So I had to be that voice of going, listen, you can do it. You got to learn it. You got to have a you know, short memory and that kind of thing. But I really felt like God used that season, especially of sports from, let's say, about, you know, 10 years old to, you know, it's still going on. But let's say 10 to 18 until he left for Georgia. Those eight years, you know, I concentrated that one question to let him know, you have what it takes, son. You've got what it takes to be successful. Either, you you know, football will end one day, but that's okay. You still have what it takes. Absolutely. I remember one time he was, uh, I think it was a father's day or birthday or something like that. He honored me and he said these words. He said, I know my dad believes 110% of me. You know, at that point, I go, okay, I think he's finally getting you got Because he's playing for an audience of one, right? That's the right. bottom line. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't matter what 92,000 screaming on Saturday think. <laughs> what does that think? And right. that's
1: Aww. an
2: unbelievable responsibility for me. At the same time, an unbelievable privilege to be sure. able right. to, to do that. One of the greatest moments I ever had in, in our relationship was. His sophomore year at Georgia, he was a leading wide receiver, which was pretty ironic. He's a three-star athlete, you know. He had 25 offers, but Georgia yeah. by far was the biggest offer. No one would think he would start to his senior year. Now it's his uh, sophomore year, four games in. He's the leading wide receiver. He's All SEC according to Phil Steele. I mean, mm-hmm. everything's going right. Yeah. And on a Tuesday in October, you know, he tears his ACL yeah. last play in practice. Get the call. Have to go to Athens meet him in the hospital have to go through all that, fighting back tears, get in the car, go to the football building, get his stuff, because i got to take him mm-hmm. back home, you know, and actually take him here to Alpharetta. And he breaks down in the parking lot. He basically says, uh, you know, uh, Dad, I'm doing this for you, you know. And it's an audience of one. And I really realized at that moment that that is by far the most important thing I could give that kid is that confidence, you know, mm-hmm. is that hmm. Ability to go, you know what? My dad believes in me, therefore my heavenly father believes in me. Yeah. And I can it's accomplish near. anything yeah. he's called me to do. So anyway, sorry about that. No, that's no awesome. don't
0: apologize. That's awesome. I love that story. And um, and it, what's neat, because we know your story, we know where things are now even, mm-hmm. is that you're still in that phase with him. It's It started at 10 or whatever age, and it's carried him through. Absolutely. And he's even more so there today where you know, he's he's trying to figure out what's next, and you're still that, hey, you've got what it takes. Right. You Absolutely. know, he needs you now more than ever still, right. even being through Very that true. season. Very you say, hey, son, you, you do have what it takes. Right.
1: Even if you know? there's a course correction, that's not what you expected. I mean, we've even heard him say that, you know, I feel like he has that confidence to know, well, if this is not the road, I know that God has something else. And I feel like that's because you've modeled it, and you've been a champion to say, mm-hmm. you know, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, because... Things yeah. change, yeah. but you can do whichever yeah. is before you. So that's Good. an awesome story. Thank, yes. you. thank
0: you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Because I, I, I think I think we can all relate to that at, at some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because you know, especially us that at least have sons that are, you know, that that put that much stock in our dads and in, in that perspective. Oh man. Um, you know, whether it's football or whether it's track or it's chess or just making good grades, you got what it takes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've mm-hmm. got what
0: it takes and having that and being that and speaking that into them. I, I need to hear that because yeah. my boys, it's really easy. You mentioned it. It's really easy to go sports psychologist, coach, all that stuff when they're in sports or whatever they're doing. They have coaches for that. Yeah. I, I need to be the dad. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Not the coach. The right. And I need to be the, the champion, yeah. the cheerleader. That's the, right. Hey, you got what it takes. I believe in you. Mm. Mm. And uh, and so I, th- I think we need to hear that. Mm-hmm. We yeah. need to hear that. Mm.
1: That's good. So that's on the other side of the coin. You've got two girls. Not my girls. Um, but girls can be hard, too. I mean, I've seen that very much play out with having the boys first And I'm probably innately a better boy mom just because I'm active and throw the ball and let's go fishing and just, but I am girly too. So when Rena came along, there is a different emotion. There is a different thing, I think, because we know girl. So we're like, you're not going to get away with this because I know what you're doing. And so there is different rubs or different things that play out. So what can you share with us a little bit about navigating the relationships with your daughters?
3: One thing that has helped me is to understand their love language. That's great. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we all um, need to be loved, but we all experience love in different ways. So mm-hmm. becoming a real student of my girls has been fun mm-hmm. and it's been um, educating for me right. because they need love in a different way than I need love. Right. So my love language is acts of service, but my girl's love language is not acts of service. So I could be here, you know, I mean, making them their favorite meal. They don't care about food that's like right. Michael does. You know what I mean? Or I could be serving them and I do, I serve, you know, that's what I do because right. that's what I love. Right. But they really needed me. um, think both of them more. Well, Christy for sure is quality time. Mm-hmm. So carving out time just to hang with her and just to drop everything. And it's all about listening to Christy and celebrating her in a quality time experience has been golden for our relationship. And just intentionally doing that. When she was in college, I would just go up there, go up to Athens on a whim and we would hang out together. She loves that. Even mm-hmm. now she's married. Right. We, carve out time for quality time. Just dropping everything and listening and celebrating her. So um, Lauren quality time and, and words of affirmation I think are really big for her. Mm-hmm. And um, again, listening to the girls for me was, was what I felt they really yeah. needed and not preaching to them. Cause I do tend to go there. Yeah. All <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, biting my tongue and just, again, being more that coach, right. really listening, asking yeah. probing questions, helping them understand themselves better. Mm-hmm. Right. And what kind of makes them tick and celebrating that, mm-hmm. right. Who they really are. So that's been an ongoing, but it's been fun for me. It's been rewarding for me to mm-hmm. acknowledge that because it's very important for me to be acknowledged. Yeah. That's how I feel loved when John acknowledges me, how my feelings. Mm-hmm. And so acknowledging their feelings and that it's right. okay that they're feeling this way, all right, um, may not agree with it mm-hmm. and may get them into trouble down the road, but it's still okay.
1: Right. What would you think would be some of your, when looking back, any tension points? Like, what were some hot Did topics? The girls, oh, yeah. I
3: hated, hated, hated the uh, the dressing, the yes. modesty issue. It's awful yeah. when they're that age because, <laughs> you know, they're, they still think of themselves as being little
0: girls. Right. Yes. Right?
3: Who can wear the cute little shorts and whatever, just mm-hmm. cutesy stuff. But they, and I've realized now, it, it really wasn't their fault. They just don't see themselves as as grown women or growing women. Their bodies are developing, but they still see themselves as little girls.
0: Right. right. Which makes so, sense.
3: Which makes sense. And so... You know, when you have tall, beautiful girls with long legs, it's really, really hard even just to really find shorts right. <laughs>
1: that fit that short.
3: leg, the body, or that they even, you know, and of course, you know, they want to like the clothes they wear. So, oh, yeah. uh, we just, it was awful going to the malls those years yes. and just, oh, <laughs> uh, it was, it was
1: very. Yeah. I think we're doomed because we've been dealing with clothing since she, Rena was like two. Yeah. She Changing like ten times a day. Oh, yeah. to this day, I mean, wardrobe changes daily. Not appropriate. This is a appro- even her brothers. Yeah, that's not appropriate. This like, yeah, we always yeah. were having conversations about
2: well, clothing. It made, it made <laughs> early feel better about that, Christy, when she was uh, probably twelve, thirteen, somewhere in there. You know, again, uh, growing in the so to, to what Beth said. And of course, you know, it's one piece bathing suit versus two piece, you know, the whole deal. Of course, you know, every dad, I think, starts off with this kind of thing like, well, my daughter will never, you know. Yes. And, then, and then, of course, that gets shot down really quickly. <laughs> anyway, so we're like, all oh, these two pieces, of course, they just don't fit her. She is just taller, you know, of, right. of a girl. Than, right. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go get a custom made two piece <laughs> for you. A moo moo for you. Yeah, that's exactly all good. I mean. It's going to so be pretty, went, though. And of course, that's a disaster because the lady who's selling it to her, I think had probably never even seen a Bible. So she has no, she's like, well, let's do it this way. And Beth is like, Heck no, we're not doing it that way. And so that was a disaster. So it yeah. was a very interesting time to navigate through. <laughs> you
3: know? And again, we're freaking out. It's our firstborn. Poor sure. girl. I she really was your learning
1: curve on a lot of things. Oh, friends. poor girl. Good and
3: I mean, let's be honest, okay? You go to any public pool, there's no girl, teenage girl wearing a one piece bathing Exactly. Suit. There's just not. Right. Oh, yeah. And so now going to lighthouse or these Christian retreats, yeah. yes, that's one thing. Okay. That's right. but, but big picture. Big picture. And so yeah. my thing was always, okay, girls. You got the two-piece that's acceptable. Just promise me this. When you're at the pool with your friends and there's boys there, wear your cover-up unless you're in the pool. right? Okay, please promise me don't be tranced around the pool without a cover-up on. Okay, that's kind of how we came to a middle ground. And they agreed to that. And I just had a trust
0: that that's what they were going to do.
3: You know? Yeah. So (laughs) That's good
0: points. Good. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's great stuff. So we're in a really new phase here with our kids that they're able to really start doing stuff around the house and not just to get chores done, but we want them to learn about the value Mm -hmm. of work and responsibility and the importance of that. Uh, What did that look like in the Bennett home uh, when you guys were
2: were in that stage? A couple things come to my mind is that uh, one time I wanted to really teach him about handling money. So I brought home 10 $1 bills and, uh, put the stacks in front of them. I had a stack in front of me and I said, okay, here's how money works. So when you get 10 of these, they say, you pay God, you you Mm -hmm. give to God. I said, then you pay yourself and try to explain retirement, but wasn't really connecting, but (laughs) you pay yourself. And then I said, you need to take three of them and you pay the government. They're like the who? (laughs) (laughs) The government. And then you have how many left over? I say one plus one plus three. You have five left over. So you get 10 of these, but you only get to spend five of these, you know? Mm -hmm. So that kind of hit home, I think, with them. Then, of course, I gave them all ten. They thought that was pretty cool, you know, that they actually got ten out of the deal. But I think teaching very practically like that. I think secondly for us was the uh, job thing. You know, early on we taught them about that. My parents did that with me. I had a paper, I had three paper routes, and then another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All these kinds of jobs early on, I liked it because one, uh, I, I do like work. Work is actually not something hard for me. I actually enjoy it most days. Uh, but what, for, what what worked out for me early on is I realized I got money quick. Right, and I had spending money in my pocket. That was a big deal. So what we would do a lot of times with them—they want to do something or buy something—we'd work out a deal with them. You know, if you pay so much toward this, mm-hmm. we'll do it. So again, I think it went back to the value of work, the responsibility of uh, of doing that. So,
3: mm-hmm. yeah, and in pre-work days, you know, we would have the charts on the refrigerator, right. which you probably mm-hmm. do too, Jan, right? Mm-hmm. With smaller children right. and okay, you that little sticky notes. Mm-hmm. Little, and they love that. Right. They love checking things off, checking getting the stars right? And stars. And then at the end of the week or end of the whatever summer big rewards for people that actually follow through on their responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And so we, we did that and every summer I always saw it as an opportunity like there was like maybe one big rock that we're going to teach our children that mm-hmm. even, you know, like 10 commandments or a big Bible verse idea mm-hmm. or fruit of the spirit or, or whatever, but love the charts for responsibility. And, you know, they weren't not allowed. I remember when they were little like that, you know, you can't do your fun thing until you get your work done first. Gotcha. Work before play was was probably more my mantra and daddy see daddy's always better at play yeah.
0: so,
3: uh, that's why we really have been a really great team god has been yeah. gracious i am just very grateful that they have a father like like john
2: mm-hmm was well, yeah i'm the director of entertainment right <laughs> that's I important like it, yeah. we need to have, fun. Yeah, you gotta have yeah, that, life yeah, is serious you have enough that going on right you yeah, gotta so. have that that's, that's great, great. But, uh, yeah, I just think the, uh, the, the responsibility piece, I think, comes probably naturally to most parents. I think it's just a matter of getting some great ideas and tools to kind of right. help, you know, implement that out. Yep. So I'm sure you guys are probably way better than that than we are. So We're learning. Mm. We're still
0: learning. Still learning. Every day, learning. So, yeah.
1: One of our favorite questions, and we'll wrap it up, is when you look back, what is one thing you wish you did more of? And then, if you could, what would be something you wish you did less
3: Well, I'll just say, I think, I wish we would have done more fun Mm -hmm. and not take things so seriously. Because I think when you're in the moment, you think that you're always going to be in the season and it just, but you know, now having older children and looking back, you realize they grow out of those seasons and they're going to get it right. And so, uh... More fun through the through the tough times, <laughs> more patience, you yeah. know I think we think if we
1: give them too much fun, then they're going to just be straying. you know I don't know, maybe that's just a perception, that's but true. I love hearing that because oftentimes we default to the serious the structure, the yes. hardcore yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it's, it's out of that sense of pressure of trying to have a perfect kid, right? Absolutely. I mean, and, and no one says it like that. No one would ever admit that because you'd Absolutely. be a, an, a fool. Yeah. But at the same time, I think we all feel that, especially if you're in a ministry situation. Mm-hmm. I think that's real important. And then also, one of the things I remember, or at least wrote down, was I really wish I would have shown more empathy. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that is more questions to really seek to understand them and ask them deeper questions and try to draw them out more. Because, again, it goes back to shepherding your child's heart, mm-hmm. right? It goes back to the idea your heart is more important than anything. Mm-hmm. And so if I could really understand what's in your heart right now or what you're going through or mm-hmm. what you're struggling with, that kind of thing, I think that would be really helpful. That's
0: great. Um, guys, thank you so much for sitting down with us and just sharing some of your experience, your life experience, your parenting experience, and letting us peek into your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, for just a little bit of time, we're really grateful for you guys. So, thanks for making time.
1: Well, that was our second episode with the Bennetts, and just as I listened to it again, I was just really excited to sit down with them. They are a vibrant couple, and uh, they were really fun, and they were also super helpful for us to walk away with some great things. I really, um, it was really beneficial for me as we're entering middle school, especially the dress code and thinking through having. I know we have a daughter that has long legs and just trying to figure out how to navigate conversations with dress code and dating. Those were some things that were really helpful and appropriate for the timing. And I really, really love the love languages that she was speaking about, specifically for her girls, but also for all of our kids. And we have found that to be really helpful at every stage. And that's just another reminder for us to consider that as we're navigating, as our kids are getting older, just really using those times that we do have with them to be super intentional. What were a couple of
0: your highlights? Yeah, two things uh, for me. And again, this is really just the perspective of a dad. Hearing his conversation John talk about with Michael and just him and his athletics, having CJ and Ty um, both you know, pretty heavily involved in their athletic side of things. Um, it's uh, it's real easy to get caught up in being the coach and the critic and uh, I just loved how he talked about being their biggest fan, be their cheerleader, uh, really championing them and just building their confidence and I just it was a great reminder I want to do that more and be that for our kids. They've got great coaches mm-hmm. um, they just let them coach and uh, and then I'll just want to be their champion and just look for the things they're doing awesome. The second thing was just also the side of that, um, that father-daughter relationship, just talking about that as well and And how to navigate some of those conversations and and how to model. Uh, I really liked how he talked about that, modeling the way with how he treated Beth uh, and being the example for Christy and and for Lauren and and what to look for in uh, in a boy. uh, That was a great up. So I thought thought that was really good. Those are the two things, um, guys just out there. Two big takeaways for those two, um, for me. So yeah, mm-hmm. really good and stuff from the Bennett's.
1: All of the books that were referenced, we will make sure that we put those up on the Facebook page from the first and second episode. So if you want to reference those, um, we'll list the authors and the names of the books for those. And then as we head into our next episode, we're taking a little uh, deviation from parenting, and we are going back to college. <laughs> yeah, woohoo! So we have Trey and Bridget that we are inter- we've interviewed. And both of them just completed their freshman year, Uh, one at a large school, one at a smaller school. And we thought it'd be super helpful for if you have any uh, graduating seniors that are getting ready to head into their freshman year to listen to this upcoming podcast.
0: Yeah, there's some great stuff as these guys look back, you know, in hindsight, look back at their first year, their freshman year at their experience and what did they learn? You know, what are some things they do different? What are some things they do more of? Uh, They talked a lot about what were they you know, anxious about that they didn't need to be anxious about and uh, what surprised them and just some really great stuff that they reflect back that is some super awesome info for that kid that's just finished high school and is heading into that first year. Uh, To be able to hear from someone that's already done that freshman year, and get some really great insights. So I think uh, I think it's some really good stuff. So if you know anybody that's got uh, kids that just graduated high school and are heading off to college, make sure you pass this info along to them and give them the opportunity to listen to this. Maybe they even listen to it on their drive up as they start moving in in the next week or two uh, to school. Um, really good stuff.
1: And I think it's even great for a parent to get the perspective of what their kid is feeling because mm-hmm. I think we oft- oftentimes don't understand maybe what their anxieties are. They may be different than what ours are.
0: Yeah. And they're just really sharp kids, really fun sitting with them. So, um, hey, guys, so you've heard us talk about this. Um, Please be sure, uh, if you haven't already, go out and subscribe to the podcast, whether it's on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to the podcast. And then also, if you can um, leave us a review and rate the podcast, Um, that's just going to help others find us and uh, help others to learn and listen along with these uh, parents that we're learning from. Um, So please go out and do that, as well as check out the Facebook page. Jan mentioned we're going to put links to books uh, that they've mentioned, and we'll put some of that stuff up there. And then also, if you've got feedback, you know, if there's a question you want us to ask some of these parents that we haven't asked yet, or if you'd like to hear from maybe a certain set of parents, maybe, you know, I think we've talked about going into the middle school years or even into the elementary years. You know, anything that you guys would be beneficial for you all, um, let us know. But we'd love to hear from you. Um, So please go out and check some of those things out. And thank you guys so much for listening. Check it out next week when we sit down with Trey and Bridget. It's going to be really cool. Take care, guys. Yep. See you guys.